hey hi hello welcome to smoke show this is claire uh today's episode is going to be kind of a part two on journaling a completely different experience about talking about journaling because today we have a special guest joining us it's meg my sister meg hi i think um our voices might be eerily similar to listen to in headphones i'm not entirely sure oh yeah we'll find out (laughs) yeah apologies if um it's hard to distinguish between the two of us but i don't know (laughs) I guess it's just like a fun thing. So yeah, we're going to talk about journaling and kind of the experience of journaling, get into more of like the philosophical side, I guess. I think the the very first episode of this podcast was me talking alone for 50 minutes straight about how to start it if you're not somebody who does. So if you haven't listened to that episode and you're interested in starting journaling, I think start there. And then you can come listen to us talk about all the amazing things that journaling has uh, brought into our lives. So yeah. Um guess like do you want to start talking about your journaling experience I feel like I've talked about mine in the past so I'm bored of it well I think that what's cool is like I really do think when did that first podcast come out it came out like July in July right Mm -hmm. I think that that podcast was like the thing that made me go like I'm gonna start taking this thing seriously so yeah. I have had a, a journal every year for the last five years. And I've just done this thing called like that I think is called a habit tracker where like I write down the things that I think I should do every, every day or most days or I want to track how often I'm doing. And then I would fill that out at the end of the night. Like, did you sleep well? Did you brush your teeth? Did you drink enough water? Did you do your PT? Did you, whatever. And then sometimes I would jot down a few things that happened that day like and sometimes in more or less detail but typically i would have one journal all year because that's all it would have in it and then in july i like listened to that podcast and like i don't know was going through big life things and was like i'm gonna start really journaling and i started like writing in it rather than just tracking in it and um, yeah, like July, I wrote 80 pages and August, I wrote 100 pages and it really started like being a thing that I looked forward to every day and a thing that I like wanted to do and and started being a way that I was like building a relationship with my own self and life in this new way. Yeah, that was the I, like, so like I would say that like I've been tracking and having a journal for years, but I only would say like, like I only started asking people like, oh, do you journal this summer? And it's November when we're recording this. And yeah, it has completely like, there's some big, big shit that it's responsible for. I think that journaling is like a uniquely personal experience. And when you get, when you start getting a lot out of it, it does become like such a thing in your life where you're like, well, have you tried journaling about it? And people are like, look, I don't, I can't. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's so much better than you think it is and easier and more fun and also sadder and way more relevatory than you might be ready for. I also have found that like when I ask people, like way more people in my life journal, like they're like, oh yeah, I do that. And I'm like, oh cool. I didn't know that. And they're like, yeah, you've never, you know, like it's just not, it's it. I think a lot of people actually do journal and have a quite serious or like significant relationship with it and don't tell anybody that because it's a very personal thing and it doesn't come up unless both of you do it, you know, and somebody brings it up. Then you're just the person who's constantly talking about their journal, which is um, nobody else is ever going to read. It's hard, I think, to talk about 
journaling in a way that's not super self-indulgent because it's not a self-indulgent exercise, but when you talk to other people about it, it can just sound like I often remove the fact that I realize this while journaling when I'm telling stories about stuff that I've realized while journaling because it just sounds so different to say like, yeah, I was thinking the other day Mm. um, versus like in my journal. I think it's very similar I don't know that I did this, but I know that a lot of times people will, like, remove their therapist from stories. Do you think it's because we hate women, though? Like, to me, the (laughs) sentence, like, I thought about this while journaling sounds inherently, like, there's just part of me that's like, this is a 14-year-old girl speaking, and we just don't value her as a person. And versus, like, I was thinking about feels, like, more rational. Probably. I think actually the biggest thing I would say that's indicative to me of like the inherent um, still not entirely erased self misogyny that I'm inflicting on myself there is I don't call it a diary for that reason. Oh, I think that journaling is actually like a like I don't want to say like it's a masculinized word, but it, it is Kafka had journals. Right. Um, I think journals, uh, historical journals are such an intense record and because of like how many primary sources I had to read during college. I just feel like it's not like, oh, I was reading Thomas Jefferson's diary the other day. <laughs> yeah, um, Seneca's diary. Yeah, like I do think that diary implies like, I've never thought you know, about laying that. across the bed with your feet kicked up and like that. Why is that embarrassing? That's like, how I journal. Actually, not, with, not my feet kicked up, but like I, I journal almost exclusively laying in my bed with, and like, and and it's like a terrible like post like my arm goes like numb on your front like yeah. yeah and then I have to like go go sideways and lay but like but I do I that is that is where eighty to ninety five percent of my journaling is takes place. That's really interesting. That used to be true for me as well. I used to only write in my bed on my stomach with like four pillows under me so that mm. my arm could like hang down. What's changed in my journaling routine recently is that I've been journaling way less and I only do it sitting up now because I realized that I was putting a lot of weird pressure on my jaw, I realized when I was doing that and that started freaking me out. Um, So I started realizing like if I'm spending 40 minutes a day doing it, it's actually a good 40 minutes to also use um, thinking about my posture because uh, if I hunch, I just know I'm fucking up my back. Um, because I also journal brawless a lot, that becomes a much bigger thing for me. When I sit up straight, I'm just like less aware of my body. Okay, so what is your journaling routine? Right now, it's probably the most disparate it's ever been. Um, I'm letting myself like kind of write whenever, which is something we should talk about is like times of day and how that impacts like the actual, not just quality, because that sounds, that sounds like content negative, but like, Yeah, the content and certainly what I'm reflecting on and like tone of voice and everything else. I this week I've been writing as soon as I wake up because it's um, been like too hot or like it's been too hot in my apartment to want to move or um, too cold to go outside. Both of those exist sometimes simultaneously. So that's a fun, fresh hell. My like ideal journaling routine is like I wake up, I go for a walk, I come back and I journal. And where do you sit? I sit either up in bed with like full propped like pillows up behind me and my back like flat against the wall um and then I'll have a pillow that my journal's on so that my arm isn't reaching Mm -hmm. down but most mostly this week actually mostly this month it's been at my desk Mm 
um, which I don't know why. I don't love sitting at my desk for things besides like just the less time I can spend in front of like the biggest blue screen I own, I think the better. But it, I have an ergonomic chair and every other chair in my house is not an ergonomic chair. So this is like, that's why. Mm-hmm. Have you been mostly, have you like transitioned your routine at all? Or has it been like pretty consistent since you started? <clears throat> since I started, it has been journaling as the last thing I do. And almost every night I, yeah, I get in bed. I do my habit tracker first. I do the, the, the one word or two word like thing of that day that I put in the mm. front of the journal. And then I start journaling and um, almost I would say like 50% of the time, the last thing I write is, damn it, I wish I had started journaling earlier. I have more to say, but I am like hallucinating falling asleep. Good night. And um, I would say there's been probably a dozen times in the last like hundred, I don't know, five months. Yeah, a dozen times where I will journal um, at my kitchen table and I will usually do that in the morning and then still journal at night. And those are just the days where we have so many emotions and thoughts that we have to do twice. (laughs) Like, um, yeah. And so that's, that's that it's almost always the last thing I do. What do you think is like the most different thing about your morning pages? Morning or, or if it's like I've done midday a couple of times or like Mm -hmm. after something, like something happens and like, that person goes reactionary home. yeah and you're like yeah oh, i want to capture it. well sometimes it's been like i want to capture this headspace that i'm in because i know mm-hmm. in about two hours anxious meg will be back and calm meg wants to like journal this right now and and capture like the feelings and the thoughts and the questions and the comments that got you know said in in that exchange i had so yeah morning is like way more i would say like it's a little bit more it's either like I'm journaling for a specific reason a lot of times in those moments. So I'm trying to process a specific thing or I'm like trying to like open myself up to like what is going on right now for me. So it's a little bit more exploratory um, or targeted, which I guess are opposite ends of the spectrum versus the end of the night is almost always like, this is what happened today. These are the thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings that I went through, which if you start writing all those down and you're a person like me who has intensity problems, sometimes you're like, holy shit, that's a lot for a single day. You know, like my day starts at like 630 and I go for a walk in the woods and I usually have some sort of like, I don't know, emotional process. Understand half the time I like be like, oh, wow, that's a thought I haven't had before. And then I go to work and like go I have a bunch of experiences that like it's just yeah, sometimes I'll be so, <laughs> I'll be like, why am I so tired? And then I journal and I'm like, cause you had like so many thoughts and feelings today and you just spent three pages and you barely caught all of them in three pages. That wasn't even like, you know, isn't, I think that's one of the more wild things about journaling is when you're like, oh, how did I write so much? And yet I feel like I have not written anything that I meant to write, like, or, or intended and sat down to really, like, get into. I am constantly amazed with how much bullshit I'll come up with in order to avoid something. If I, like, go in with an intention, mm-hmm. I'll just start being like, oh, yeah, this other thing. And then I'll be like, I've written a page of pop culture thoughts, which are definitely my blockers into self-introspection. Is like, let's just talk about other people. Let's just talk about reactions to things. It's interesting that you journal at night more exclusively, and I am a morning journaler. I think the reason I don't journal at night is because when I do, it is more often like recap feeling. And 
I found myself using that as a way to like avoid questioning stuff. It was more just like, well, I have a ton of content. Whereas like in the morning when I wake up, the content that's going in there is mostly just like, well, this is shit my brain came up with while I processed things while asleep, I guess. Um, Which like even going for a walk and having like I tried for a while to to journal first thing so that the only thoughts in my head were my own. And it was like too intense for the morning. <laughs> like it would set me it would set me up for like usually a, be- a worse day. Hmm. I found like the the and like if anything came up that I wasn't expecting or like prepared to really deal with or didn't have time or didn't have like the the brain energy literally yet to to really get into it it was a day ruiner whereas if i spend an hour kind of like with myself listening to like i'm trying not to even listen to like a political podcasts first thing in the morning i'm trying to have like a much more like neutral start to the day so like an audiobook or a podcast that's just kind of background noisy while i walk around or even walking around I, I did that this morning. I sat and had breakfast this morning um, in silence. And I I know why I could do it. It was snowing. Oh. And so, like, the action of the snow is, mm-hmm. is stimulating enough for me that I can finally, like, sit in silence, which is, like, why I love winter. That's so interesting. Do you play anything while you journal? Do you have any, like... About... I, I think, like, about half the time uh, that I've been journaling, I, I don't know, maybe, like, the last few months I started um, doing Lo-Fi Girl playlist on mm-hmm. Spotify. And, um, or you can put up the YouTube. Both of those were helpful when I would, I kept, like, checking my phone. Um, mm-hmm. and And that was a way to be, like, this is on your phone because you're journaling right now. And that was, like, a way to, like, put myself back into journaling it's something that like I'm still getting better at with journaling is um and just like life and in life in general is like when I'm hanging out with somebody who I really want to be hanging out with which hopefully is almost everyone I hang out with but like when I'm hanging out with somebody like if I'm on like a date or if I'm with somebody who's really good at not being with their phone my phone is on do not disturb and I do not look at that thing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I am like boof I'm here and present and I'm trying to do that more with my actions that are for me so like when I'm on a walk with just myself like I try to I keep forgetting but I need to like put my phone on do not disturb because if I was on a walk with someone else I would never be looking at my phone and like I try to also have that I'm trying to be better about that with journaling where it's like I'm sorry this is your relationship with yourself time and like that means that do not disturb is on and that you don't answer or check your texts while you're journaling. And I would say like, I'm so much better at that than I, than I was in the past, but it's still every time I forget to do that. And then I get interrupted journaling. I'm like, Oh, like I don't have the ability to resist this now. I just, Mm. I need to do it ahead of time. I think do not disturb has been such a game changer for me in that regard. Cause like it is just the temptation as soon as it's there. Yeah, checking your phone is something that happens to me whenever I, um, like, I'm pretty good about it. Sometimes I'll even, like, leave my phone out of reach. Um, I used to, like, force myself to sit in one place, but I allowed myself to check my phone. So it was just, like, you're here until you're done. Like, choose your adventure time wisely. Um, But I know that whenever I have something that's, like, too big or I've, like, had something that I'm like, oh, I wasn't, 
prepare I will pick up my phone and so like me picking up my phone when I'm journaling now to me means like you actually need to explore whatever the fuck sentence you just wrote that freaked you out because you're trying to pull yourself out of it Um, what do you like with that like okay so those are the things that you do to avoid that but like mm -hmm. how often do you write a sentence and go like holy I gotta go into that and then immediately go into it I would say like at least two or three times a week. Like I'm pretty good. It's, it's only when it's like a truth I haven't admitted before. It's usually admittance rather than like, Oh, that's a question. Like, I think I, I, I actually have very few questions about myself. I mostly have things I'm resistant to admitting. Mm -hmm. And then um, once I do, I'm always like, Oh, there it is again. Lack of self-worth. Nice to see you. Like, Oh fuck, we got to go in and, figure out the thing there or like how that's manifested into this behavior and not just this other behavior. And what do you, do you like, do you talk to yourself to discover that, to like go into that more? Do you just keep, is it a different, like if you hit something that you're like, I have to go into that, do you do anything differently than the rest of the time you're journaling or is it the same? Are there different parts of you ever having a conversation? I never really like occupy different voices, but I would say that, um, uh, that's a, that. Eh, mm. I write in my journal very similarly to how I write the substacks that are a little bit more like free flow and just um, those are like things that like you've read and can reference of mine. I use parentheses so often in journaling. Um, I don't like to cross things out, and so like occasionally I'll just write a word I didn't mean to write and then next to it you'll see like lol what I meant to write this and like that then becomes like a full two lines in my journal where I'm like correcting something so sometimes I'll write something and then be like oh holy shit um okay here we go like and you'll write those words you'll write holy shit yes. here we go yep I'm very um I really try to write straight through for that reason and what that does is like freeze me up to just put everything that's coming up down. Um, yeah, because it's I like you're wanna... capturing your stream of consciousness. Yes, which is why I write in cursive and why it's like the messiest cursive. When when you can tell in my handwriting when I've hit something um, that I'm going into very quickly because my handwriting gets bigger and less controlled as I'm like trying to just like capture every single thing that's coming into my head. Um my specs of what I use haven't changed. It's still a Sharpie fucking 0.7 pen and a moleskin. I am curious what you write in. I think we have a slightly different Leuch- setup. Leuchterm. Whatever. That- I find it so difficult and so I feel so silly. But yeah, it's just that notebook. And I, you have converted me to the Sharpie 0.7 pen. Don't, yeah. don't do anything else. Now, I used to use, I will say like if you're like, no, don't want it. Give me another recommendation. Then I would say... Um, my other favorite pen for many, many years was the Pilot Friction pens that are erasable. And these are not the yeah. erasable pens of our childhoods. These are, they erase. Okay, this is cool. Like the heat from the eraser, it's not friction. I don't know why it's called, like it's the heat that is created from friction yeah. that debonds the color molecules in the ink. So you're not erasing it, you're making it invisible. And that's what erasing it is. And I loved those pens, the 0.7 specifically. My ex used to really like the 0.5s, but I'd find 0.5 too scratchy in general. But I really love the friction pens, the black and blue ones. Um, And um, I was like, 
religious with those for a while and um but they're not as smooth as the the sharpies but yeah so that would be my other fun recommendation is like the sharp or the um friction pilot friction erasable pens if if you're like oh i like the idea of erasing then get those they're amazing Somebody did something very cool with those where they d- they outlined stuff for watercolor and then they filled it in and then they just erased it using a hairdryer because it's heat and yes. not friction because use- like you can't erase pencil because you'll pick up the watercolor pigment. That's cool. It does come back lightly. It doesn't fully erase it is what they found without the friction movement. Got it. Um, but you can use a hairdryer. You, so if you've... You used to be able to also microwave... You used to be able to microwave your notebook, and um, uh, there's like a c- company called Rocketbook that made notebooks that can be completely right. erased by throwing in the microwave, but you can bring it back by throwing in the freezer. Um, um, the other That's thing, some secret agent shit, right <laughs> yeah. there. I I will say I do m- regret a little bit um, because the thing with the habit tracker is if I fill in the wrong square. With the Sharpie, there's yeah. no nothing I can do. I'm just like, wow, you gave yourself credit for washing your face yesterday and you didn't. Like, and there's just nothing I can, and there's no way to be like, it's not true. Don't pay attention. <laughs> I could go get white out, but like, so that was, that's honestly why I used the frictions. I forgot about that. That's why I used the frictions for a really long time. Cause if I messed up on the habit tracker, I could just erase it. So you can just have two pens stuck in the top loop. Thing. It's true. I could. One, one on the top, one on the bottom. Yeah, there you go. Um, or you could get one of the fancy pen loops that cost $20, but only work but in one notebook before fit. they lose their stickiness. It also doesn't fit the Sharpie pen. I bought one. It didn't fit. Uh, to me, that it created a bump. Can we go back to like. what you were saying about capturing your stream of consciousness? Because I yes. don't think that that's, I don't think that that's as true for me. And mm. I think that's really basically like everything you're thinking while you're in front of your journal is trying to get into the journal. Yes. There's there's a theory of journaling, and I can't remember the guy's name right now, but I'll I'll try to link to it, where it literally I this is well, this is a joke that I was like, that might be offensive. If you've ever seen Russian cursive, that's what his entire journal looks like. It's just loops. It's just pen loops and like moving the pen the entire time. Like people squiggle, they dot. But like his entire theory is you don't actually need to write anything down. You just need to be moving while you think in order for your brain to feel like it's out of it. Like, or what you're saying is now out of your brain. Like for me, journaling is like info dumping. And then I don't have to carry it around with me. Um, I started like, I've, journaled when I was younger. I was very good about it in my early 20s. I stopped journaling altogether for about five years. (laughs) Really good indicator that my mental health was not great is when I'm not journaling because it's when I'm avoiding myself the most. But I started bullet journaling, which is kind of how I got back into it. And that was just because I had a job where I was like, I literally can't keep it all in my brain, which was the first time that was true for me because my memory is terrifying um and so I was like oh I'm forgetting things for the first time in my life it is such an experience the first time you forget something um and it made me really aware of like I don't want to call it a privilege that I don't have that but like it made me very like oh lateness isn't a choice for some people like remembering things is not just effort it's mm. actual, like, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. This is one of my, like, individualism is a thing moments. 
Um, but yeah, my stream of consciousness, I would also say that like, as I've tried to improve my posture and then I read a book on breathing, which I will link for the millionth time, I'm sure, in this description. I now also am very conscious about working on my breath while I journal. So it's even more meditative than it used to be because I'm regulating my breathing really consciously. There's a thing, just in case anybody's listening who doesn't want to read a, a science textbook. Um, you're, a pop if you just, It's very pop Yeah. Um, if you just breathe through your left, not, I'm currently reading a traffic textbook that's literally a textbook. Um, so that's, I think, why I was like, yeah, it's just another <laughs> science thing. Um, if you cover your right, like they do this in yoga, but like both sides are doing different things. Um, and your brain and your nose is constantly closing and opening one valve over the other to get more oxygen into one side. So if you're right before you do creative work, if you really want to stimulate your creative brain, you can just take some deep breaths while you hold your right nostril closed. And this is a thing that um, we all have the power to teach ourselves how to move the muscles in our nose to close and open without touch. This is a thing that monks do all the time. Right. They do, When they're meditating and they're doing that pranayama breath, they're not holding their noses. It would be so cute if they were. Uh, but like, they're just, it's just inside. Uh, because your nose has erectile tissue, the only other place it does. It also has a labial fold, the only other thing that is called that. Noses are fucking weird is uh, the conclusion I came to. It's true. Yeah. I Okay, I'm really glad you mentioned the speed journaling thing because my, I don't journal in cursive and I like my handwriting. I also read my journals, like not always, mm-hmm. but I have gone back, especially like going through big relationship stuff where I'll be like, what did I, what was I thinking at after this experience, you know, and I have a pretty decent memory. So I can usually be like, it was like August, it was the first week of August, you know, so I can go Mm -hmm. back to and find it. Um, so I want them to be legible, but I did, after you told me that, try it where I was just like, go as fast as you can. And it changed things. Like your brain is thinking at the speed of your hand. And yes. like, as soon as I sped up, I was like, oh, shit, I can get more. I get why this is a thing. And like, maybe I could do that for a different, a different part of the yeah. day. As or you something. were talking about it, I was like, oh, maybe that would be an interesting thing to do before I go for a walk. And then when I come back, I'll write. Like, yeah. it could be con- like a different, it would be, honestly, for me, it would require a different notebook. Yeah. Um, because I like how pristine mine look. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be really interesting, though. I will say reading your journals is fascinating and something I encourage. I was very like, I don't need to. And then I, um, I'm i going to, well, spoiler alert, I'm doing a big recap of all of my journals for the end of the year. I stopped doing this because I had a day where I was like, oh, I think I'm writing as if I think mm-hmm. I'm going to pull one line out of this later. And I hated that. I hate anything that puts constraints on what I'm Mm-hmm. doing or writing about or makes me like self-conscious of it except working with my posture and making sure I'm breathing correctly <laughs> but those are like not happening on the page no I got you, know you. I mean? and just... they're also settings that help me write better like your posture matters so much and like breathing everyone also... in the, everyone listening to the podcast sits up straight right now <laughs> I I will say like and of, takes a deep breath two... take a deep breath everyone in through your nose and then out through your nose, <laughs> not your mouth. Stop breathing through your mouth at all times. <laughs> it's like 
I like there's so much in that breath book, but one of the most incredible things is like that's all endurance trainers train on. A lot of them are just breath coaches. I do think that like the two sports I did as a child were all posture based. And so I have like a very like rigid sense of horseback like, riding and dance. Dance. So like my shoulders are back and down as like a pretty good <laughs> default. Um, but I scrunch and like especially when I'm journaling and I'm anxious or something's coming up that makes me want to turtle. Um, that's when I'm most conscious of it is like, Oh, I came in. Um, okay. I had a thought about the scribble journaling, which is like, I wonder if when I'm feeling really anxious and there's a specific, like a specific conversation I want to have with myself, but I don't have the focus to do it without like it's very maybe maybe this is this is like a longer tangent this is going to take us in a particular direction but like like basically I don't some people I think can just think to themselves about themselves without it being like an anxious pitter-patter of all these like uncontrolled like Mm -hmm. reoccurring thoughts that's what talking to myself or that's not even it's not what talking with myself it's just what my head sounds like sometimes right it's like this anxious like get stuck in these particular loops. I don't feel like I have much control over them. And and even when I try to rationalize with them, it's like trying to rationalize with like a small child who's just like, this is all I'm, I'm stuck on this, you know? And mm-hmm. what I find with journaling is that if I externalize that, I can sometimes invite a different headspace into the journal. So like there was one day I remember very, very distinctly that I journaled three or four pages of like worry and anxiety and, you know, rambly thoughts. And then I was like, would anyone else like to chime in? And I was like, okay, um, let's go ahead and bring like a centered headspace, you know, to this journal. There's two times I can remember this. Like, I was like, okay, what would centered, like grounded, non-anxious headspace have to say? First of all, that headspace always much more um, succinct. Um, Like it only needs like three fourths of a page before it's like, that's it. That's it. Because, you know, worry and concern is like, but that and like calm is almost always like, there's like five or six facts here. <laughs> we can't control all the outcomes. So sorry. I'm um, curious, like syntax wise, do you say that in your journal? Are you like, can we bring calm headspace in? Like we're passing the mic or like calm headspace colon. I think so. Here's, yeah. That's so interesting. And then I think there was one time, (laughs) there was one time where I was like writing for three pages and I was like, um, what does like, that's your head saying all of those things? Like that's Mm. your head. What is your body saying? And I think I explicitly wrote like, what does your body, what is your body saying? And the next thing was stop journaling. I'm so hungry. (laughs) And I was, it was like, um, Basically, it was like, bitch, we don't have anything to say until you eat breakfast. Um, it's 930. You've been up for two and a half hours. Um, go eat breakfast. And then you can ask us what we think about this. And I was just like, wow, that was very clear. You know, like, OK. And I did. And I stopped journaling and I ate breakfast. And then I came back. And I don't remember if body space was like willing to cooperate at that point. But I do remember just like, I, I, I like it was I, I like laughed at myself because I was just like, that was so clear um so that's actually been a practice that like I have now more intentionally used sometimes is like I will ask for a specific like I don't I haven't really gotten into parts 
theory, like, you know, like if people are into different therapy structures, like internal family systems is like parts therapy where you talk mm-hmm. to these different parts of you. And there's part of me that, <laughs> that, um, really like vibes with that and gets that. And, um, there's another, like there, I just have done it. Like I've done it. I've, I've been like, this is anxious headspace. There are other parts of us that we have practiced accessing that we can invite in. And, mm-hmm. That, I think, started being available to me after maybe like a month or so, maybe two months of journaling as I could start doing that. And I think that's because journaling, for me, like started to develop a relationship with myself. Like it's obviously we all have a relationship to ourselves, but I mean like an intentional one and one that you like prioritize and that you make time for and that you protect. Like I started being like, oh, I have to go home. Like I remember very distinctly the day that I was like at a friend's house and like I do laundry at this friend's house and um, I forgot to like move my, or the laundry didn't, the dryer didn't start. And so I was like, oh shit. And they're like, you can just keep hanging out. And I was like, I want to go home and journal. Like, that's what I want to do. And I was like, whoa, like the idea that like, I don't want to hang out. And what I want to do is go home and journal, like felt like this really big transition for me. And I think the more I developed that intentional relationship with myself, the more, um, the more intentional that could be. Like at first I was just recounting what was happening in the day and capturing my thoughts. And then I was capturing Mm -hmm. the anxious thoughts that I had and trying to get to like some other things. And then I could start doing that and bringing specific parts of me online. And now I can have conversations with myself that I don't think I can access almost any other way. Like there was times recently where I was like, I'm going to ask the the like part of me that I constantly ignore what that part needs and I was able to be like okay what do you need and it was very clear and I don't think that as either like an anxious person or like somebody who has like I don't know some ADHD tendencies or just you know a human in this society because I'm not sure either of those things are actually separate from the other part is um it's, it's, it's hard for me to listen to myself. I don't have a lot of practice. I have a ton of practice not listening to myself. So when you were talking, I wrote down relational avoidance with myself, because when you were like, we all have relationships with ourselves," I was like, actually, I wonder if that's true. I think a lot of my life was spent avoiding having truthful conversations with myself because it's an inconvenient truth. Well, also it like it's not a safe truth, right? Like, I mean, that's yes. disassociation. That's like, of like, there's so many reasons that a lot of us have to form a distance between our truth and our reality. Yeah. And I think part of that is like very rational of like, it hurts to feel these things out. And, and I just, I don't want to, um, it's kind of like petulant, like I'm not doing that. Uh, but I think like, even in our earlier conversation, we were talking about stimulus and just like sitting without stimulus. And that's just something we don't, we have to do intentionally now, um, which I think is unlike any other time in human history. You used to have to go seek out things to consume and now things want to consume us. Um, (laughs) And so like journaling is, my only t- and even then because i use a bts asmr i would say i'm still feeding a beast a big old <laughs> fucking beast so it's like you still use it every day oh yeah yep it, and like now at this point it's not about 
what it is. It's just the, the routine. routine. I think I could journal to other rain ASMR sounds. I'm very like, I will say on the days that I am at my best and like most focused, I don't look up. I don't come out of the headspace. I I write six pages and it takes like, I think <laughs> my land speed record is 38 minutes. Um, but like that, I think like, there's you you said a bunch of stuff and so like <laughs> the clarity offered from journaling is like so intense because it's a clarity that like you have to seek out and I do think takes practice to get to of I like think it takes what pra- is my anxious self and like how are the how am I like if I am like totally calm where is the anxiety like what when you said that it reminded me of we've had this conversation before and I need to stop saying that because we have conversations every single day uh (laughs) but like we've never put them on record um something that I noticed I had been doing and then intentionally stopped doing a few months ago was when I was anxious I would write out the sentence and then even before I finished the sentence I would add a caveat of why I shouldn't be feeling that way and so I would be like this is what's happening. And then I would like it, it, say it was about like a person. I would be like this, per- like this happened. And then I would be like, but I can't be mad at them because I know that their intention was this, 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 and this. And then I was like, Oh, what am I? Why am I not letting myself feel the feeling? Is that why I can't put it down? Because it's not actually, I'm not actually feeling it. I'm avoiding it by being like, but here's the reasoning. And here's the, here's all of the rational thoughts around it. And it's like, emotions aren't super rational. And you have to let them out and you have to let them exist or they're going to just keep pounding at the door and being like, you still don't let me in like it. So I made myself finish the sentence before I moved on to like, these are all of the reasons that I want to put at the end of that sentence to negate my own feelings. And these now coexist. One doesn't negate the other. It's just like, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how I want to be feeling. Here are all the reasons in between the we've talked we talked about the enneagram recently and just to bring that in really quick like what you just oh, yeah. described to me sounds very much like a <laughs> i call them two problems like type two <laughs> like because type two is like love and compassion like that's mm-hmm. the big things for twos and so to me I, I very much identify as a two and um <clears throat> and to me like one of the things that is really hard about that is that you always can extend compassion to people. Yeah. Like, and you're like, here, watch me do it. Like right now, I'm never going to dismiss you. Like I'm never going to dismiss you as like, I'm always going to become, I can come up with a generous story of how you're acting and why it (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Right. Like I can do that, but then I don't extend the compassion to myself, which, and I don't allow myself to have the hurt feeling of, of like, but I, and, and I think that's been something that's, that's the journey, that's the journey of the two is to like actually turn the love that you extend towards the world, towards yourself. And like what you're talking about there, I think is something that isn't just a two thing is, is also like a person thing. And it, and I think if you have a lot of, com- if compassion is a very, compassion for others is a muscle that you work a lot, then you may be, that muscle may be much stronger than your muscle of compassion towards yourself, which is like, like in terms of like, you just, you can do the, this is all the reasons why I'm sure that they're still a really good person versus like, these are all the reasons why I'm hurt. And that gets to be really valid. 
I think like this is going to go into a like slightly more woo woo territory. But um, what you were telling me about your friend who has taken the class on Enneagrams and is like, it's not just who you are. It's like what you embody. And so your like essence. your essence is love. And I just have had to like very consciously create a relationship of being in love with myself. Like it's not loving myself. It's like an active thing. And I think that like like a Lizzo song, but inside your soul. Yeah. And I think like, honestly, like the way Lizzo talks about like love as a radical act of survival for her, like resonates so hard with me. Like, I think it is very much like a fellow fat thing of like she talks about it and like the world wants you to destroy yourself. So your act of revolution is not. And the act of loving yourself, like I think there's a lot of like you have to love yourself. But like that wasn't helpful for me. I had to love being myself and I had to like love my relationship to myself. Um this last year is the first year I've ever lived alone as an adult. And so, like, I spent more time alone than I've ever spent in my entire... The last time I lived alone was college. And college is, like, the most social time ever. So, like, I had to get really comfortable being... Not in silence, because I'll say my relationship with silence is still bad. Um, the ASMR thing is, on like... I can't write in silence, but I can't write with words. So I've found like when I go journal in public, like I don't listen to ASMR. I'll listen. I will listen to BTS's album B twice um, (laughs) because I skip the skit. And sometimes I skip the second time I listen to Blue and Gray if it's too depressing. Uh, But the reason I can do that is because they're singing mostly in Korean. And so I don't hear the words and process them. Uh, The other thing I used to do is write to movie soundtracks. And just top tip for anyone who loves typing. Uh, the Social Network soundtrack done by Trent Reznor. So, like, um, is it was his first time working with Fincher. He, they made a soundtrack to look and feel cool typing to. So, just just nice. a pro tip. I can I go into something you said? Yeah. Okay. So please do. One of the things you said. So, I think the subtlety of language is really profound. It and and the difference between you need to love yourself and you need to be in love with yourself, I think, made me go like, okay, new levels for me to do. Because like, there's like accepting yourself, and then there's like caring for yourself, and then there's like the self love, you know, stuff that got really commercialized. But then there's like the authentic like self love, like caring like genuinely like giving love to yourself then there's the like what we just talked about of like extending the compassion like extending compassion to yourself that you can that you extend to other people so freely and then but like and I've been thinking about like something that I have had to do this year for the first time or not had to I have like realized I need to is like to date myself like as somebody who Mm -hmm. has been in relationships basically nonstop for the last 13 years like I have not spent a lot of time alone and I have like not had to, um, yeah, like just be single and be like, you know what? I'm going to take myself on that date. Like, that's just not something I've had to do. And that is like a new thing for me of like, actually like you're going to like your brain immediately goes like, Oh, which, who can I take that? Who can I do that with instead of like, I want to do whatever. So I had this idea or like conceptualization of like, I'm going to go on dates with myself. I know mm-hmm. how to date other people. I think I'm a pretty great 
person to date in certain ways, but like in particular in the like really thoughtful, <laughs> like I'm very yeah. thoughtful and I'm very like, hey, I think this is a very specific thing you would really like, you know, like yeah. that's something that I'm pretty decent at. And um, I want to do that for myself. But then when you said, so I've been slowly trying to anyway. So the thing that you said about like being in love with yourself, I'm like, that's a whole other level like that's a whole other level and like I think for me the journaling to bring it back to journaling I think for me journaling has allowed me to see the parts of myself that I ignore and like I don't think I would be able to engage with those parts so actively if I did not build up a relationship of being with my own thoughts like Mm -hmm. it's I feel like I kind of was like I'm gonna okay, out loud processor. So maybe this is true. Maybe this is not true. But I kind of feel like the thought I just had is like July was like being with my own experiences because a lot of it was just like, I went on this amazing date. Here's all the details. P.S. Past Meg, not enough details. Write more. Like, you know, like (laughs) some of those I look back and I'm like, not nearly enough. You thought you were writing enough details? Not nearly enough. Anyway, so like be with my own experiences was like where I started. And then mm-hmm. I feel like I was able to move into like be with my own thoughts. And I feel like now I can do both of those, but I also can be with my own feelings. And like mm-hmm. that, I I don't, I think sometimes people feel like I don't know how to be with my own feelings. So I can't, like journaling is intense because you have to like, look at your shit and it's like yeah but i wonder if people like that feels like an easier ramp up of like Mm -hmm. experiences thoughts to feelings and like i I would say it doesn't have to keep going if you're like you know it's kind of an interesting practice just to like write down everything i did that day i did that for five years you know what i mean like that's all i did and then i wrote more details about them and then I, because I found that to be interesting, I then started writing my thoughts about those things, you know? And so I just, and the, yeah. those are all ways to get to know yourself. Yeah. And I think it, it is like a relationship on date one. You don't ask for their deepest, darkest secrets <laughs> and want to like, like, I know you can, and maybe you're one no, of those was, people who like takes the, will fall in love questions on a date. Um, okay, but like, I'm totally that person, but like not day one but like I was literally laughing. like do, do you show up with the new york times article of like if we ask each other these questions we will probably get married because people do that claire i think okay um if somebody you just showed, have it all internally in your head no but also like if somebody <laughs> showed up and was like hey do you want to go through a couple of really deep questions i'd be like you are my type of person like, i mean same yeah like i i don't think that that's bad but i do think for people who aren't those people that's why journaling seems so intimidating is it's like a blank page the most intimidating thing in the world being like tell me all your secrets okay I'm like that doesn't have to be it what about, you can journal in any way you want to. What about if we came up with like 10 questions that people could journal to? That could be fun. I think like I also just what, what something you, you said of like <laughs> I have to spend time or like I, I had to like progress to those things. And like now you get to that. right. I think it's so funny because like when I started uh, journaling like routinely again, I was like, you have to hit three pages and now I have to hit six. And honestly, on the good days, I go to eight almost always. But part of me is like, oh, three pages isn't enough. I'm still able to avoid myself. I haven't like run 
out at the end. <laughs> I haven't run out of shit to, and I'm a master at avoiding convert conflict and conversation. So like I can do it to myself mm. where I'm filling it up with bullshit. But after page four of that, I'm like, you've got two pages. You might as well admit it. Like, I think that there's something <laughs> to like, like it is the thing of like, if I have to write, I will suddenly vacuum. If I have to sit here and work on my novel, oh my God, has anybody wanted to clean out the fork drawer ever before? Um, it's just like, I will find the stupidest fucking thing to distract myself with. And when I'm writing, I have to sit here and I have to do it. Um, so the thing I'll distract myself with is not talking about the thing. And then I exhaust those resources. I used to have a teacher that if you couldn't figure out what to write, you had to sit there and write, I don't know what to write. Yeah. Because eventually you hate writing that so much, you'll figure it the fuck out. I remember quite consciously at towards the beginning of journaling being like, what am I avoiding? And like, I don't mm. think that that was a helpful question for me. Like, I think I'm not saying that you're you're saying to do that. But like, to me, it was more... Yeah, like I, I don't know. That's such a. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, what do I avoid? I actually think that I get a lot of. I'm, I am a really verbal processor, and that's mm-hmm. tricky when you're building a relationship with yourself. Which is why I think some of the most like really revelatory things I do in journaling is do more conversation stuff where like I ask a question and a different part of me answers it. Like that's, that's been the like revelatory stuff. And I think for me, because I walk around and like have Mm -hmm. thoughts or conversations, sometimes journaling is also just capturing those things of like, Hey, so today you said this thing to Andrew. And when you said that his eyes bugged out of his head, like, and was like, I'm going to be thinking about that for a little bit, you know, and you yeah. should write that down because if you don't, you're going to forget that even happened. And I can't tell you what it is right now, but I know that if I go and look at like the two weeks ago journal that I could tell you, oh yeah, that's what I said. Like yeah. I said this particular thing and like some of the clarity that I have. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Nope. I was about to, I, there, I also like. I'm not sure I was doing, I wasn't doing this before. I haven't thought about this as a journaling thing, but it is a journaling thing. Like I have a couple of notes apps on my phone for Mm -hmm. when I get, when I like, you know, like I put out a Friday email and most of the time that's not personal stuff, but occasionally it is. And I'll put a couple of notes at the top of that where I'll like come back to and flesh them out. But I also like, I go to a walk in the woods every day and there's a specific grove of trees that I go to every day. And in those, in that space, I often basically go, what message do you have for me today? And like, they often do have a message for me. And so I have a a note called tree wisdom. And like, that is some of the most like, oh fuck, like thoughts that I'll have all day is that like two sentences from the trees. And I, in one of my journals, I think the one before this one, I I wrote it down in the front of the journal. I like drew a little tree and then I wrote Mm. down the tree wisdom. And, um, but like those things, like, like believing that that type of message can come through something and then writing it down. Like, I'm not, I don't know if I would be doing those things without the journaling. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if I would be taking those types of notes or asking that type of question or going on the types of walks that I go on one walk in the last three months has been like, Oh, a conversation with my younger self, you know, like, I don't Mm -hmm. know if any of those things would be possible without the journaling accumulating a relationship with myself. 
Totally. I also, something I did yesterday that I, I don't often do, but as you were talking, I was like, oh, this might be an interesting thing for you to try if you ever wanted to. If I'm stuck in like writing, not journaling, but like other writing I do, I'll do a voice memo and walk around mm. and just talk to myself. One thing that having headphones has made possible is nobody fucking looks at you when you're talking to yourself because uh, they just think you're talking to somebody about a weird thing. Perhaps, especially if you're trying to describe a scene that you're coming up with in your head and you're like, well, maybe she has past stuff about this thing. Um, And people are just like, are you having the weirdest drama of all time? But like, whatever. Uh, Beauty of living in New York. Never see those people again. Uh, Also, you're not the weirdest person they met all day. No, love New York. Oh, the incognito mode of New York City is... I feel like I live in, like, the opposite environment to New York City. Yeah, I think in some ways, yes. Um, You live in the smallest state capital, and I live in a a city so big, it's often mistaken as the capital of the country. Of the country, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everybody in my sixth grade class in Ireland got that question wrong except me. But in, but the kid from Kansas did get it wrong, and I was like, how? <laughs> Claire, I think half of the Americans in the U.S. would get it wrong. Like, Yeah, that's fair. I think, like, not knowing which state is biggest, because, like, everything's bigger in Texas. Texas looks big on a map. We don't have a geographical awareness of Alaska. Well, my brain went um, to California before Alaska, so, and then it was like, Alaska, man. I will say, going to Hawaii is a real weird experience because you're like, this isn't America. We we don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, we stole fair. this. Um, I feel like that in the Southwest too, but that's just because I grew up in the Northeast and it's a very different climate. This country is too big. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I have tried out loud voice memoing, mm-hmm. and it was weird because I was trying to do it in the same setting that I was used to writing, and I was just like. No, no. See, I think I'm a walk-in talker. Like, yeah. I love a conversation on the phone. Um, okay, so there's a book that I actually think you might really like called The Extended Mind. Have I told you about this book already? Yes, yeah. So cool. But one of them is, like, there's a whole chapter on walking because lots of great thinkers throughout time and history have walked and and created and thought about things. And there is also a... So do you like, know why they think that that's like tied so closely with like our brain waves and how we move um humans are naturally nomadic people and so we, we have evolved yes baby the reason that a baby will fall asleep when you walk is because that's the natural rhythm that they like the circadian like we have not evolved past our nomadic selves right like bodies. we've only stopped walking like what like 300 400 years ago and some of us not if that all and yeah there's like 10,000 histories of 10,000 years of yeah, before that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that makes and sense. And also, like, how much, you know, how, like, it's, there are certain things where people are like, oh, put a baby in a car. And I'm like, yeah, movement. It's movement. It's not a car. A camel would It's not a car. Well. You could just, you could just lap, lap your backyard, and that'll have the same effect. But it's also why when you look at pictures of uh, women's bodies, they're, uh, like, even in, like, the, like, National Geographic, I feel like, used to be the source of, like, very very saggy boobs that like were very long and it's because you used to put the baby on your back and then throw your tit over your shoulder (laughs) (laughs) that is 
a wild and crazy image, but all right, I it's believe a, it's you. It's a it's a camelback of memory. No, like, it's just <laughs> okay. Wait, I want to go back to the extended mind for a second because one of the sections I just listened to is about thinking on paper. And I didn't think about this for journaling, why I don't know. Um, I was thinking of it more like for work stuff, but just this idea that like we actually fundamentally think different on paper and we extend our mind into that space. And like there was a very famous, I think it might've been Richard Feynman. Um, Anyway, they're very famous person and they have his like these papers that he used. And he kept saying like, those are like, that's, my thinking and they were like right right these are your notes of your thinking and he was like no that's my thinking like the it didn't happen up here and then i wrote it down it happened on the page like it's not happening in my head and then coming and then getting captured and i feel like the scribble journaling like is a little bit of that where you're like Mm -hmm. this is this is a collaboration between my hand and my head like this is not my hand capturing what's in my head. And I think there's so many people, authors, especially who still write longhand. And I'm like, yeah, because this is still, it's a thing. We haven't evolved to being keyboard people. Like I know we've had typewriters for, but like it's, it doesn't feel the same. In college, we talked about how keep like, like everybody was like, raise your hand if typing makes you think differently than writing. And everybody raised their hand. And they were like, right. So when you're typing, you are part cyborg. And I was like, okay, love you, gender, sexuality studies, you know, fuck shit up class. But like, they were like, yeah, you're part cyborg. You're part computer because it's a computer and it becomes part of you. And if it changes your thinking, then it is influencing you. I mean, and I was like, I don't, okay, I don't want to geek out on keyboards for too long, but there are so many like mechanical keyboard geeks and people who are like making new forms of keyboard because like there's the keyboard. It's not a keyboard. It's like a push yeah. control stick because they're like, you don't think in letters, you think in words. And we've figured out how to f- make a thing that can do that instantly and figure out what you're typing w- wild. That is like top. Oh, yeah. Level. You can do the whole word like, at the same time. Yeah, and and but you can write sentences in like you can like these people are doing like six hundred words a minute. Like it's it's revolutionized. It. Like if you can learn it, it's the fa- it's the closest you can get to literally capturing your brain as it's happening. But you okay. are part cyborg because you're also like moving your fingers very specifically. Right. Stenographers can type it about three hundred words a minute, and that's a new language yep. that they have to learn. So they can type three hundred words in a in a very specific thing. But there are keyboards. So QWERTY's not slow. That's like a misconception. But what it is is um, you will you rarely hit the letters next to each other. But it was but it's in, not like it was invented to be slow. No, it wasn't. No, this it was invented. Yes, to keep what the, it was invented things from, from the tines from tangling. Okay, but that just means that the letters are spaced out the way that they are, so that you rarely hit a letter. But next it does. To each but other. you use the weak fingers to do common so letters. There's a few things. The one of the reasons um, that the way the QWERTY keyboard, like a regular keyboard is laid out, is splayed. So it's not linear. Yeah. But that is purely type um, typewriter leftover. Like the reason that they couldn't be linear on a typewriter is because they were literally linked to the stamping. So like if you, you can find now linear keyboards that 
all of the letters are in perfectly straight lines so that you move your fingers less because the action of going out to the side is much more exhausting than back and forth. So like if you look at how your keyboard is, you always have to angle in order to type. So there are people who made linear keyboards and the most ergonomic keyboard you can have is a split curved linear keyboard. So it's two keyboards that you can place anywhere. So it's most ergonomic. Um, They're linear facing keys so that they're just up and down and then they're curved and because they're 3d printed people measure their fingers and then figure out the curves of the keys so that they move their fingers the The least. least and it's like there's a youtube video i'll link of a guy learning to type on it who's like a 200 words a minute typer and like tried on this thing and like it took him for he was like this is the least intuitive thing and i he learned other keyboard layouts and stuff but people are the keyboard community goes that hard. <laughs> you know, there's, I remember listening to a podcast of a guy who, he was a pre- computer programmer and at, at, you know, 16 or 18, he was like, oh, I think I'm going to be a programmer. And I think that means I'm going to probably type for eight to 14 hours a day for the next like 30 or 40 years. Like, that's just going to be my life. And he was like, okay, I'm going to learn the Dvorak keyboard, which is like a different Mm -hmm. setup. And he said in his work, if he was typing on a QWERTY keyboard, his fingers would move about 11 miles in a year. And like just, you know, one inch Mm -hmm. at a time. And Dvorak, he moves two. And I was just like, that is like the coolest, weirdest stat ever. Um, One of the reasons that you can't really outpace QWERTY is like, there are people who have Dvorak and there's like a case one. There's like a few very popular alts um, that people teach themselves. One of the reasons that even the people who are the fastest in the world at those still max out around the same, like it's, it's different. Cause like he's literally talking about movement, but like words per minute um, cycles, they max out around the same cap as QWERTY. And it's literally just because we have so much more practice with a QWERTY. Like you'll never be able to make up. Like that guy probably learned Dvorak at like 16. So he got an extra set. So like all of these people who speed type. Also, if you've ever wanted to watch the trippiest thing in the world, watch Chinese speed typing competitions. They have six different keyboards that people compete with because they make the characters and there are different. It's also in Japan and it's also in speed typing with characters where like the the things are making the as they go. It is one of the most mind bending things because I don't know any other character languages. They're just benders. They're just they're keyboard benders like like it Avatar. Really do- you know? like-, like watching their fingers move. I'm like. Oh, I remember like, watching a I video of like someone happen. stuffing CDs into a Netflix thing, and they were like, "This person is the fastest person on the line by like five, like five x." And her hands were a blur the whole oh, time. Oh, I mean, it's like anytime you watch a Cuban man roll a cigar uh, in like the the guys who do it on the street, and it's just like, "Oh, he can roll a cigar in under a second? How? How? <laughs> like." I will say, rolling is one of those things where, like, dexterity wise, I'm like, okay, but like, I can roll. A very decent, always smokable joint spliff, whatever. <laughs> Aunt Sally used to roll spliffs one-handed on a horse. How does she do? I don't understand one-handed <laughs> rolling. I can't. It's so incredible to me. And yet every time I see it, I'm like, not possible. <laughs> Wild. Anyway, to get back to journaling. Is there, what are the things, I'm, I'm looking at our notes and I'm just curious, like, what are the things that 
we maybe haven't touched on that we should. I'm looking just through like I think we moved. Maybe we most will stumble. Up, well, no. I maybe I have like a couple of questions that I want to ask you before we sign off. But what do I want to ask you about journaling? Um, why is the six pages thing important to you? I need specific goals to hit and deadlines to hold myself accountable to. Otherwise, I won't do it, and then I'll feel bad about it, and then I'll use that feeling bad about it to beat myself up. So it was really just like taking the weapon out of my hand by putting a pen in it. Um, Six, I was writing three because three was easy. Um, So like I, when I used to journal, I used to, um, my like journals from my younger 20s are however long I wanted to journal for. I wouldn't date them because I was, I guess at the time I was like, I'll always remember (laughs) what the, what? No, you won't. You won't even remember in the next month. Like what? And I would write for as long as I wanted. And then I would put um, a line break that just had like an equal sign on it. Like it was just two dashes. It wasn't an equal sign, but that's what it looks like just to illustrate it. Um, so that's how I used to journal. And I would journal really regularly, like three to five pages. I stopped journaling. And then when I uh, had a minor breakdown, and was like, you have to get your life together. <laughs> that morning pages became like, because I think at the time morning pages was really in the lexicon. Um, either I was like listening to a podcast where people it were doing is it, like always in the lexicon, but whether it feels new to you or not, like it is one of those things for the last 10 years that every people go. So have you ever heard of morning pages? And I'm like, literally for the last 10 years, every year it's new to someone. And that's great. Like, yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things where like, whenever it's new to you, it feels like, oh my God, it's everywhere. And I, it's, I think it's just a, whatever that's called, like a, you know, when you're thinking about buying a you Honda hear Civic it once and then you look, yeah. see it, nothing but Honda Civics. Yeah. I think it's that. It's it, like I I again think going back to the very beginning of this topic, I think morning pages are also a way to make it not diary. Yeah. Um I diary in the morning is the same fucking sentence as I do morning pages and they just they ring so different. Definitely. Like even like sun salutations have always been like a very specific like energy thing and like I know that they're called that for a reason you do them in the morning, but like I'm always like, "Oh, but if you don't do it, Anyway, yeah, uh, six was just because I had been doing three and that was easy mm-hmm. and I knew that I wasn't getting to stuff and mm-hmm. I started to write four more often. Um, six, I just started doing and I was like, yeah, this this feels right. And it took me like on a slow day, it still takes me like 45 minutes. The other morning I was so tired but I couldn't go to back to sleep so I journaled and it took me 55 minutes to write six pages and I went back and was like what the fuck was happening? Like that's like <laughs> a full like it takes like yeah. on average it takes me 40 minutes so like I know that it takes me about 12 and a half minutes per two pages. So I was like that's like another two pages worth of slowdown. Right. One thing I used to do, this is a callback to an earlier part of our conversation, um, when I was really struggling in the beginning, um, not with like filling up the, but just having a lot of like, I don't think I like myself thoughts. Uh, my very last page of my journal had to be all positive. And then that, that moved into a thing that I stole from the comedian Meg Stalter, who mentioned it on Instagram one night. And this like totally revolutionized my life. She encouraged everyone to write themselves a love letter. And so I did that and I filled one Steno page um, with like a love letter to myself. And then I felt so like in love with the universe that I wrote one to my best friend. And then I forced her to take it home and never talk to me about what it said. 
um, because that was the exchange she was willing to make. She was like, I don't want this. This is too intimate. I don't know how to respond to it. I was like, you never have to tell me your feelings about it. Um, And so we never we've never talked about it. Um, And I think that that's uh, that's meeting someone where they're at. But yeah, my entire last page used to be a uh, it had to be things that I loved or liked about myself. And then I moved into only love. I had to bump up the likes to loves. That's a great question, though, like uh, of the like 10 questions, like it's not going to be like that's that's a really good one. It's like, what do you what do you like about yourself? I think it's such a good challenge to write yourself a love letter. And like, I think that would be such a really fascinating monthly practice or even quarterly uh or like some sort of lunar cycle that I'm not aware of. Like not every new moon. That's a little I think that's but like that's monthly plus two. Yeah, so it, yeah, because if I'm, if there are two full moons in a month, that's when you get a blue moon. Okay, but like that, that would I think like that. I mean, at least for me, with the like pace of change that I feel like I'm in right now, is like I think that'd be a really interesting practice. Would be like yeah, and like twelve for a year. That sounds that sounds right. Like yeah. Oh no, I think I just found my New Year's resolution. Yeah. Oh. I think it's worth doing even if Once. you're somebody who's listened to the entire podcast and has never thought about writing anything and uh whatever just try it's so worth it and also like I was really shocked the first one I wrote I was like oh I didn't have to stretch for as many things as I thought and like oh I didn't know I loved that about myself also I think love letters just used to be a thing they're like again this is like the um almost was a history major part of me talking of like Love letters and letters to friends throughout history are so, like, lovely and intimate. And part of that is, like, sitting down to handwrite something really matters. Um, And I think that sometimes, like, this is a Twitter thing, but, like, sometimes the way we talk about our friends in modern language really, like, breaks my heart. Because I'm like, people used to write their friends letters of, like, I miss your warmth and holding you. Like, yes, they might have been closeted lesbians. We can always apply that fun lens to history but like I actually just think a lot of people used to value their friends as much as they did romantic part like and that's something that like is um you know part of like modern stuff is just like no you actually don't have to check in with your friends of like hey can you bear the emotional load of me telling you about my day like yeah I can (laughs) I can do that I try to write birthday cards that tell somebody something I appreciate about them that I haven't said or the end and I don't always succeed or I don't always succeed at that or like I'm thinking I'm like I said that and then I'm like oh shit I think I wrote a birthday card recently that didn't do that you know but like there's been times where and I think this maybe happens around like newer friendships more often where Mm -hmm. like you don't You're, like, really excited about, like, oh, my gosh, we have this new relationship. This is so, like, wow, I really like you. Holy cool. cool." Like, and you don't tell that person that. You're just, like, cool. I hope we keep hanging out. You know, like, and, um, yeah, like, I think that's a, if if you're, like, I can't write my friends a love letter and be, like, okay, well, like, once a year you can tell them something that you really appreciate about them in a card. The other thing is you can write it, and then if you feel uncomfortable, don't give it to them. Yeah, totally. Just writing it is is a good experience. And I think, like, I was friends with the person I gave mine to. Like, literally this year is, like, our 10-year friendship anniversary. Um, and I was like, oh, I haven't thought of these things as, like, 
her specific mm. and things she's brought into my life because they're so commonplace now right. because we've been friends for so long. So I think it's just a really interesting way to reflect. But also I think like being in love with yourself, having self-love, whatever grade of that you want to like achieve. Um, Very like RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? Like I do think that opening ourselves up to love is a very scary thing to do. And it's seen as like quite lame. And I <laughs> think that it's just like so important. And as soon as you open yourself up to it, like – it starts coming back. Like I'm very big and like the energy you put out is what the universe like can give you back. And I do think that like we've had this conversation recently where I've been very like, I have to be cautious about how much I am willing to just give away um, without understanding how much I need to reserve for myself. But part of me in saying this out loud, out loud processors, so fun to be um is like oh no if i'm giving myself that love like it's not about holding some back for me it's about putting it out but directing it at myself mm-hmm. it's about like mm-hmm. a like standing in front of an air conditioner kind of thing uh, right like you like, are the target of your love yeah mm-hmm. so it's it's not it's yeah it's more i think love is exponential and not um subtractive mm-hmm. i wonder if um Ah, shoot. I just should have written down some of the things that I wanted to, like, get into. Because I I think, um, well, one of the things I did want to get into a little bit is, like, how you talk to yourself in your journal. Because that's something that you've shared with me that, like... Oh, yeah. I'm I'm nice to myself. I don't let myself do, like, negative self-talk. Yeah. And, like, I, I honestly, like, I think I'll have to read my journal through that lens of like am I being critical of myself but like the answer is like of course I am because I mean even what you told me your last line is of like oh damn it I should have left more time for this is like is a a critique it's a critique it's not here's the thing about the way we talk to ourselves and self-deprecating language it's all I knew how to say to myself it's the only verbiage I had. Right. And I used to excuse it by being like, oh, but I'm being funny or like I'm doing and like it, really what it is, is we live in a world that tells you that liking yourself is selfish and bad. And like there's an entire Sex in the City episode where Miranda likes herself a little too much. And the guy says she's full of herself. Being full of yourself is like such a cutting comment. It's like the thing that I became most afraid of being seen as mm-hmm. is like narcissistic Um, all of these things. But it's like, I don't know. I have to spend 24-7 with myself. If I don't like that experience, what a miserable experience I'm having all the time. And like, there was a phrase that I had to finally give up of calling myself a dum-dum because I used to, it was funny. It was, I don't think I'm dumb. I know that I'm smart. Like, that's (laughs) one of the things I'm not willing to be like, maybe I don't know the answer to that. Um, But like, I used to be like, well, I'm a dum-dum, so I forgot. And like, that just, that, was a joke it was meant as a joke but it was still self-deprecating and getting rid of it made me go like oh yeah that was still bad I think what you said is really interesting too of like there's no way I would have even been able to spot that like being like oh I wish I had done x is like I didn't even in I didn't even see that as a critique but it is and like what you said of like it is sometimes the only way we know how to talk to ourselves and like 
what's amazing is like I think a lot of people who know me are like you're not a judgmental person and I'm like save it all for to you. you like yeah <laughs> like, wow it's it's almost like I'm exercising it all on myself yeah with no regard to how that makes me feel because <laughs> I'm bad at taking care of me first like (laughs) at all but first in especially like I think it still took me a while to be like oh that's not selfish that's self-care yeah and I I think like just that idea like now I'm thinking about like okay if when I want to say like you really should have left more time like maybe like what what is the other version of that that would be honest and I think it would be like I'm glad we made the time we I'm glad I still journaled and like, this is an invitation for tomorrow, Meg, to like, go to bed earlier, so that you can journal longer, you know, like, if it's okay that you it's okay to have regret without critique, right? Or it's okay yes. to like, want something different without critique. And I'm not sure that our society does a good job of helping us see that. And like, we, we know that even when we like apologize, we're like, I'm not saying this to and then it's like, okay, because you can't possibly want something different without it, without critiquing it. Like the, and, and no, like in our society, like, no, no, you, you can't. And so of course we can't do that with ourselves, but I think that's a really fascinating question uh, of just like, how do I do that? How do I bring, what is it to, to notice the critique that's happening? Cause like, like I said, I don't even think I would have noticed it. And if no one ever reads your journal, no one else is going to notice it. But like, right. but what I just said of like, I bet if I read my journals and said, and just looked at it from like a, how much of this is being generous and compassionate to myself and how much of this is being critiquing. I already know the answer from just saying that sentence. Um, and like, what would it mean to write to make that a space where like that is I don't I don't get to do the critiquing I only mm-hmm. get to write down the compassionate thing like I think there's like oh a- it took a lot out of me to write the sentence you're doing a great job <laughs> I mean I just think that what because I think there's this there's this thing in journaling where people are like, you get to express whatever thoughts you want. It's a safe space to go into what, and it like, yes, it is. It's a beautiful thing for that, right? Like no one wanted a like minute by minute recount of my day except for me. And I remember mm-hmm. hitting this time and I texted you about this where I was like, I wanted to tell somebody about this date I just went on in really specific detail. And because I like, it was just, like I just had so many wonderful experiences and like I felt whatever. And I was like, and I didn't know who to text about that. So I told myself in my journal yeah. and I'm now my best friend or like I am now one of my best friends. One of my best friends. Yeah. Yes. I have moved up the tier because best friend is a tier and not a ranking. Um, <laughs> but like- I used to be an enemy. Um. <laughs> yeah. Like beatings will continue until morale improves has been my strategy of self-improvement forever but like I just I like this I just be I think there's a tension or there's a seeming tension between like your journal is your safe space to have a thoughts that you don't want other people to see or you aren't ready to express and Mm -hmm. like just destroy yourself in that space because no because it won't it doesn't matter as much you know like you would never let a stranger say those things to you but you're you can say those things to you and I just think that's a really I don't know if you have thoughts on that but like I think it's a really interesting thing of like this is a compassionate space not 
um, like not a free for all. I think like, I mean, it's not like every day I show up to my journal as my best self only, (laughs) but I do think like I literally had to invent a new way of speaking to myself. Mm -hmm. It was like learning a dialect, like my, my inner monologues, my inner thoughts were very mean and they weren't necessarily my voice. They were imagined voices. They were projections of what I thought other people were thinking of me, which is the number one way to make yourself miserable is don't look at what you think of you. Just think about what other people must be thinking of you based on no information. I literally had to be like, oh, what does it sound like when I like myself? Mm. What does it sound like? What can it sound like upstairs? If I'm like, you can do that. You're great at that. It's intimidating. And then you do it. It's like learning any new language. You just got to practice. I like that. I think that the other thing that just made me think, too, is like what I do with like anxious brain gets to be here for three pages, but then we're going to bring in the other one. Like if, if somebody oh, yeah. is like, oh, I can't, I, I'll, I won't write anything if it has to be compassionate, then like my encouragement to them would be like, then do a couple of pages where you don't filter. And then like your last page suggestion, right. Of like, yeah. Say things that you love about yourself or even say like, okay, so we just beat ourselves up for five pages. Like now we're going to write the compassionate we're going to write some compassionate stuff. Like we're yes. going to extend love to ourselves and and grace and kindness. And it doesn't have to be the whole thing, but it needs to be there because we need to practice that. We need to like like what you were saying really struck me as like you're cultivating a new voice in yourself yes. that can then start becoming a bigger part of you outside of the journal. So you know how like if somebody insulted your best friend, you'd be like, hey, that's my best friend you're talking about. You're your new best friend. You're not allowed to talk to me that way. I don't I'm not friends with people who treat me like that. Um, And I will say this is not something I did immediately. And this is something I absolutely built up to. And one of my best writing exercises, I would call it, I guess, of all time was one time I journaled the entire time I was spiraling in an anxious attachment spiral, and I didn't let myself not write down every single time I thought about it for an entire day. I just had the spiral on paper. It was 14 pages long. Nothing was happening. It was truly, I think what it did, I I would say if anybody out there is listening and is like, I can't do that. I can't be compassionate to myself. Get out all the shit you don't like about yourself. Write it down. And then it's gone. And then it's not in your head anymore. I don't know. I don't know if I've told you this. So there was a conversation that I was really nervous about how it was going to go. And I was spiraling about it all morning. And what I did, and this is, um, yeah, what I did was I sat in the place that I knew we were going to have the conversation. And I said the first two minutes of that conversation out loud into a voice memo. And then I kept going and I like kind of like had my my side of the conversation for like about, I don't know, five, five to 10 minutes. And then this is the most interesting part. And this is really the only reason that I'm telling you this. And then I listened to it. And it was one of the first times that I have ever felt such visceral compassion for myself. Because when I was listening to it, I was like, I could hear how hard it was for me to get the words out and how Mm -hmm. scared I was of like not saying the thing exactly the way I wanted them to hear it. And like, 
And as I was listening to myself say it, I was like, you got this. It's okay. It's okay. And like, I was extending and like in the same way that I think like when I look at photos of like eight-year-old me or five-year-old me, and I think about Mm -hmm. like what that little kid, you know, struggled with or felt or whatever worried about, like, it's really easy for me to like look at that kid and extend compassion to, to, or it's not easy, but it it, it can happen. And and I do, but like, this was 10 minute ago, me, like, right. Like this was like as close Mm -hmm. as in the moment, but not in the moment as I had ever been. And it was revolutionary to like access such visceral compassion to myself. And I, I think it's possible that if I like with it, with what you were saying, the reason I think that came up is like with that spiral is like, you didn't filter, you captured it all. But to me, like also reading it, like pulling yourself out of a spiral and this is why I'm like fuck I'm gonna do that like I'm now going to like have to capture all of my like runaway freaking thoughts and some of it is not like I know that I've done some of it to be like god if I get this thing if I get this story on paper will I stop thinking about it and I'm like no actually Mm -hmm. sometimes you indulge in it and that's actually kind of dangerous but if I can do it in a way like meditating while anxious (laughs) it's more like meditating on my anxiety. Like, I don't think that's the way to get over it. But like, if there is a version where you're like, this is what a spiral looks like. Hug for yesterday self. Like, then I think it can be really revolutionary. Yeah. And I think that having a journal and being able to access like your self of the moment in the past is really interesting. Like, I wrote a letter to myself six months ago, like six months ago. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and so that I had so much compassion for what I was going through at that time. And it was just basically like all the things I wish I would have known. But it was just interesting to be like, oh, you've learned that in the last six months. Um, it's a really interesting way to see. I think like growth happens slowly and all the time and every day and it's like when you see somebody all the time you don't notice that their face is changing slightly like we just we can't we can't comprehend it and so having like a physical record of it I think is the only thing that's like allowed me to see like you know it's the Rosetta fucking stone of my um love language Mm. that I have with myself yeah these didn't sound like this even four months ago So, yeah, I would say, like, reading them is a trippy experience, and I haven't done it in a while because I stopped doing those recaps. So I'm going to be interested to see how... I think I might... April me Read all of 2022. Yeah. Like, towards the end of it and be like, whoa. And, like, I like the idea of writing writing a year ago self. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. I also like there's a meditation I did one time where it was like you were, you know, you brought up like all of your anxieties and worries of yourself. And then it had you go into 10, 10 years in the future looking at you now. Mm. And like that person was like, I know you're going through it. I am not going through it anymore. Like I'm not going through that, you know, like and also going through other shit. But and and but it was like yeah like that that was another way that I think I've been I was in that meditation it was a Tara Brock meditation was um, 
like able to access compassion for myself. And I was like, oh, cool. Like future Meg has a lot of compassion for current Meg. Current Meg doesn't seem to have a lot of compassion for current Meg, but future Meg does. And I'm just going to like know that that is going to happen, which is cool because then it means it's possible. Right. And like, if I wrote like, like, like right now I really, am like in a thick of a, uh, in the thick of like this change that I feel like I'm going through. And like, if I imagine what I'm going to feel like a year from now, like, yeah. I think that's actually very healing to my current self. You know what I mean? To be like, yeah, future Meg is stoked that you're doing this, you know, like, and, and not only that, but like is fundamentally a different person and there is like the woo part of me is like you can actually access some of those yeah feelings time's now. not linear right like that exists <laughs> if if you believe in ancestors there's no reason you can't go forward you know like if you believe in like ancestral knowledge i don't when see the why. telescope goes up and it moves in the distance it sees dinosaurs and that doesn't make sense <laughs> so like future meg one year from now gets to exist in our in our like hearts, brains, you know, journals. But like, yeah, I really, what's she up to? I well, like, I <laughs> I just think like that's kind of fascinating, right? And I think like on the yeah. really anxious days, it might be really good to like borrow some calm from the future and be like, yo, like, what do you know that I don't know? And like, I don't think I can have that conversation out loud. I think I can only have it in my journal right now. And uh, there's something else I was gonna say, but. That's good. That's good. I mean, that's, that's, I think, really profound shit. And like, I think the idea of being able to watch yourself change in your journals. And I love this idea of like, you can go back and watch yourself acquire a new language of self love. Yeah. All right. It's just like my French notes. Cool. Maybe we'll wrap it there unless you have more. No, I think that was a pretty good, profound thing to get to. (laughs) And on that note, um, I I end all of my journals now with um, good talk, if I think it's been a good talk, a great talk, (laughs) if I really got into something. And it's actually really helpful when I go back, if I like want to find a day that I know I, I did something big on, if I find great talk, I that it's like a really good code for myself. It's always a good talk. Um, I also say like, sometimes I say like, love you at the end. Um, but there was a thing that I noticed when I went back to my journals right before my breakup, um, where I kept saying, you are loved, you are love. And it wasn't in the I, it was in the you, which I thought was interesting. Um, And when you talked about like the Enneagram and essence, I was like, oh, I think I knew that without ever knowing it. But I think it is, yeah. You know, I don't think I, I, like, because I've had that like journal tracker, there's been a couple Mm -hmm. of times in my life that in recent memory that I can remember doing more journaling. And I went on this very woo-woo new age retreat um, the March before the pandemic, so March 2019. And um, one of the things in that retreat that, that, I don't know, felt very comforting was just this idea of like, you are never alone in that like all objects have like life force and like definitely I don't think anyone's gonna deny like a tree is a thing you know like like that is like if you're like a pen is not a thing um like it's a it's a whatever um but just this idea that like 
I, I think this message of like, you are not alone is like often like overblown, but, but what I meant, what I experienced in that journaling was I treated the journal like it was wit- witnessing me. And I like thanked the pen for like helping me do this thing. And I was like, these are things that are witnessing me, even if I feel unwitnessed by other things. And I think that, um, that that's a little bit how I sign off my journal where I say like, sometimes I say like, thanks for listening. Like where it is its own, like it's not, it's not all the stuff we've been talking about today of like my relationship with myself. It's, and it's not me thanking me for listening to myself. Although that would be beautiful. And maybe I should include that, but it's Mm -hmm. more like me literally thanking the physical object for like holding, (laughs) holding the space um, or just like being the space where I do the processing, like, and just believing that that is like a thing, you know, like, and oh, absolutely. I mean, it's very like, I think Marie Kondo, very Marie Kondo, that, like Shinto belief of like, yeah, this is, a, it is helping you without this, without the ink, like, we used to be a lot more connected to the object. So it would be like, I had to go find clay to wet, to dip, to th- and like I had to pluck a horse's tail. <laughs> I had to find a sheep. Like I do think that like we are so like the human experience is kind of spoiled by um, convenience. convenience. And so like I think it this is a bound book. That's so much this is such an ancient form of thing. Um and I I do think that's why, like, I am a material person. Like, I can't, I don't journal outside of this in the same way. When I write on Steno pads, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. I'm not planning to keep that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, I think the bringing a little bit of, of, I don't, it's not ceremony, but just like acknowledgement to the physical object. And I think you're right. Like, I think like there's something really beautiful about having the the object be feel right or be right. And um, yeah, I think that's good. I think that's a good thing. And like, um, yeah, there's more things to say on that. But I, that's how I sign off is I say, um, uh, yeah, sometimes I say, <laughs> after critiquing myself, I say, thanks for <laughs> listening or good. I think I think I, th- I think I stole your good talk a couple of times, but I do like having my an last end. journal entry when I was 29 I ended it with good 20s good 20s which I was so proud of and then I was like this is a joke I can't share because it's such a weird inside joke with myself well, now you so. did and that's a best friend level up right there uh, gotta have inside jokes otherwise it's not a best friendship what's a best friendship without an inside joke? what's a <laughs> friendship without an inside joke I need to be able to make eye contact and have people know what I'm saying <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much. If you are still listening to this, once again, incredibly long-winded journaling advice podcast part two, um, uh, you can follow Meg on her Friday email. I will leave that link in the description. You can follow me on my Friday email, which you might be listening to through the service, uh, but if not, it's on Substack. So um, cool. Thank you so much, Meg, for spending another two hours of your day with me after already spending six of them. Uh, in a totally different capacity. (laughs) It was fun. Glad you had fun. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.